Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning again. You're listening to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. This is a special Christmas week edition, and it is pre-recorded. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Um, as we turn the page from one year to another, I thought um, we might examine ourselves a little bit. I might encourage you to not only take a look in the mirror, but take a look at your 2022 calendar, your 2022 journal if you keep one or maybe like me you have like a box of random notes cast uh cast in a particular place that you jotted down as you were in worship or bible studies this year um and then i want you to look at whatever for you is the equivalent of a check register right your financial accounting for the year now past now why are we going to do that well we're going to examine our calendar our check register and our journal as a, as a means of examining our growth and discipleship over time. And as we look forward to how we intend to grow in God's grace and produce a harvest of righteousness to his glory in 2023. So would you join me in that exercise? You might, um, you might grab your Bible as a part of this. Um, you might need more than just that box of notes or your journal. Um, what books of the Bible did you read in 2022? Which ones did you study beyond just reading them? Which ones did you study? If you had a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year, how far did you get? When did you stop and why? And why didn't you restart? Are you like me, a person who takes sermon notes um, every Sunday in worship? Or maybe you have a place where you keep your Bible study notes. Under whose teaching did you sit this, this year? What Bible studies did you attend or listen to or maybe teach you know, we learn, we learn so much when we teach others, when we prepare to teach others. So what did God teach you about his character and his ways? And then how has your life been changed by the application of God's word to your life? Now take a look at your calendar. Start by simply surveying the, the year that is now past. I mean, just turn the pages, January, February, March, April, May. What did you do? Where did you go? How did you invest the most precious of God's gift, the gift of time? How did you invest your time this year? And then actually do some accounting. Yep, some actual accounting. Did you take Sabbath days? If so, how many? I mean, count them up. Sundays, were you in worship? If not, why not? I mean, physically present with God's people in an identifiable church. If you weren't, why not? And what does the Bible have to say about forsaking gathering together as God's people? And how about holidays? Did you actually set them apart as holy unto God? Holy days, holidays. Now, how about a financial accounting? Grab whatever for you is the equivalent of your check register and go through it. Start with the stuff that maybe we don't see because it happens automatically. This is the hardest part for me. I'll just confess. 
All of those things that are on auto pay, and I don't necessarily know how to turn them off. Accounts, credit cards, your phone, subscriptions. What ministries are you giving to with ongoing support? Why are you doing that? Are they kingdom advancing? Do you want to invest more in those ministries? Do you want to suspend that giving in the year ahead? Those are some of the evaluative questions we're going to ask in just a moment. How about one-time gifts? To, to whom or to what ministries did you make one-time gifts and why? Should those be ministries or individuals that you provide ongoing support to? Maybe you want to change that level of giving in the new year. And make an honest accounting of your tithe. Did you tithe? And if not, why not? I'm going to encourage um, each of us to read and reflect upon Galatians 5, 22 to 25 and do an honest fruit inspection. Yep. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at the harvest of righteousness in your life from 2022 and compare it to prior years. Is there evidence that you are growing in grace, actually producing more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness? You see how it works. Is there pruning that's needed in order that there might be greater growth in the year ahead? Now, check your journal. Well, maybe start a new journal. Maybe that's what we should do. Let's start a new journal. <laughs> and um, and maybe let's consider how we are going to multiply the investment that God has made in us, right? Like, let's look at all of the things, the spiritual resources God has poured into our lives. And then let's consider what kind of return God's going to get on that investment. Let's pray about how we are going to be good soil, And let's chart a course for spiritual growth in 2023. You could use your calendar and a blank journal, a new check register or whatever the equivalent is for you, your Bible, and maybe some indelible ink. Perfectly identify a life verse or a word for the year. And then make some commitments to God in your calendar for Sabbath time with him. We're talking through a 10 Pillars of the Faith series with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. So let's start this morning with the foundational question of on what, or better said, on who are you building your life? On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. Where are you standing? And what's the next pillar of faith? Let's talk with Dr. Matthew Sleeth up next. Joining us now, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. We are uh, engaged with Matthew in a series of conversations over time, and we're talking about the 10 pillars of our faith, and today we are going to talk about listening to God. Matthew, welcome back. It's great to be back with you, and I was listening to you talking about joy, and it's a joy to be with you. (laughs) Well, thank you. And And your listeners this morning. And you and I will seek to cause God joy in, in our conversation as we um, as we lift up and seek to then help people establish themselves in the faith. So remind us um, about these 10 pillars of our faith um, and, you know, sort of like substantiate the conversation, lay the foundation for the conversation about the 10 pillars. And then we're going to talk about the second pillar, listen to God. 
Well, they are, they are my uh, experience and observation for 20 years of being a Christian, being in full-time ministry, of those things that build faith, build joy, build um, competence, if you will, as, and, and confidence as a Christian. And um, uh, the first one that we talked about was seeking the Lord first and, and, uh, and, and figuring out what things it is in our lives that are keeping us from God. Um, this, this next thing that we're going to talk about is listening to God. So seeking God first, and the next is listening. And the way um, that uh, we listen to God is through his word. Um, that we, we are so blessed as, as, a, as a people to have the literal words of God um, in, in Bibles, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody in the United States that doesn't have a Bible that wants one. And if they don't have one, they can write to me and I'll send them one. <laughs> but uh, uh, that we can open Scripture and we can hear our Creator um, talking to us and advising us. And frankly, I haven't found any dilemma um, so far that uh, Scripture doesn't address uh, something like it and give us wisdom. So that's that's what our conversation this morning is is Bible reading and I, and I will tell you that I met the Lord for, through picking up a Bible and reading it and um, the the Bible is a big book where do you start in it and I remember this holding this book in my hand and saying where do I start and this is where prevenient grace came into my life because my parents named me Matthew. And that's where I opened the Bible and started reading. Carmen, if my parents had named me numbers, we wouldn't be talking today. (laughs) Or Lamentation. Or Mm -hmm. Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. I don't know. The Weeping Prophet. He is one of my favorites. Um, So, uh, Matthew, let's um, let's dive in. Listening to God. I think that um, there are, I mean, faith comes by hearing um, and hearing by the word of God. And so when we think about listening to God. We are talking about listening to to God in the way that he has chosen to reveal himself. Um, and so when we talk about the Bible, we are talking about the special revelation of the revealed God, the God who is. Why does it matter that, you know, like this is the way that God has chosen to reveal himself? Um, he generally reveals himself in creation, but he specifically reveals himself in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Can you talk about the the uniqueness of the Bible? Well, Christianity is a historical faith, and um, so one of the 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 pieces of the Bible that is so important is just the history. And uh, the history of the Bible is written much different than other people's history. I'll give you an example. The, uh, the Egyptian civilization uh, lasted 3,000 years, which is a pretty phenomenal amount of time, and they recorded everything. They were record keepers, and they carved these recordings on the walls and, and everywhere they could get a hold of. And it's interesting that in 3,000 years, their history never records them losing a battle. It only records them winning battles closer and closer to home. That's not the kind of history we have. What we have is the unvarnished uh, history of humanity. We have the good, the bad, and the ugly, as it were, in Scripture. Um, This is 
um, it's truth and truth can be hard to read sometimes it can be it can be hard to hear but we we in scripture get the truth of where we began uh, who made us what went wrong and what God has done over the course of uh, human history to get us back into a right relationship with him um, and, uh, and and so this this is to be read as history, it's to be read as wisdom, and it's to be read as encouragement and instruction for us. When you think about um, reading the Bible and listening to God, um, I want to talk about like methodologies, but then we also just want to invite people into doing it um, deeply with some regularity and a plan. So when we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Matthew Sleeth about uh, his experience of engaging with the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments and listening to God. It's the second pillar of the faith in our 10 pillars of the faith conversation about these habits or disciplines or qualities that, um, you know, help us to not only be established in the faith, but know that our faith is um, is is like righteous and secure. Maybe I'll use those as um, as words to demonstrate how a person of substantial faith grows in all ways up into Christ who is the head. That's what we're we're talking about when we're talking about being rooted and grounded and established in the faith and then growing up um, in it into maturity as disciples. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Matthew Sleeth here in just a moment. Maybe give a little thought here to your own Bible reading experience. How are you engaging with the scriptures today? Um, We'll talk more about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks a lot. I pretty much ask every single day, where in the Word are you today? It is a question um, provoked by my own experience and knowledge that unless we are in the Word of God, then the Word of God has no way to get into us. And um, we're going to be full of something else when the when the world squeezes us, and you know that it will. So where in the Word are you today? How is the Word of God getting into you? We're talking with Dr. Matthew Sleeth in our 10 Pillars of the Faith series. Matthew, talk with us about your own um, experience of Bible study, maybe Bible reading plans. Um, maybe you have a methodology you'd like to share with us today. Sure. I, um, as, as I told you earlier, I met the Lord by picking up a Bible and reading it for the first time, and I started in the New Testament. And if somebody has never read the Bible before, I think that's a great place to start is in the New Testament. It can be a little dawning to start in Genesis and come through for the first time. And so um, in in the New Testament, of course, we meet Christ, and, and we see how the early church um, responded to him, and then we, we get the problems of the early church worked out in the letters. We have the book of theology, really, of Christianity, which is the book of Romans. So I would recommend for a new believer to start um, in in the New Testament. Um, but, but remember that the New Testament rests on the Old. There's people who want to throw the Old Testament out these days because it isn't maybe sometimes as polished or, or varnished or, or, uh, to them. But 
um, it's it's all one uh, word actually, and it, and it's all equally important for instructing us. So I began in the New Testament. And um, I remember being confused by a number of things. And one of the first things I got was uh, uh, a commentary Bible to help me. And I think they're very, very helpful to people. And I have a stack of life application study Bibles that I give to new believers. And uh, I think that's one of the excellent ones. Maybe you have a, a, a study Bible that you recommend. Um, but uh, as far as a, a method to read uh, through Scripture uh, for beginners, I think uh, the old-fashioned three-by-five method, which is three chapters a day and five chapters on Sunday, will take you exactly through the Bible in one year. By the way, for those people who say, I don't have enough time to read the Bible— uh, I would uh, say that the Bible takes 12 minutes a day to read through in one year, and that the average uh, uh, American spends three to four hours a day on television and two and a half hours a day on social media. So I think we certainly have time uh, to make room for God. And I think the, the thing to do uh, also is to recognize that when you're reading Scripture, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. The Spirit of the Lord wants you to understand. Um, in the book of John, it says that the Word became f uh, flesh. Um, and if we want to meet Jesus in the flesh, we've got to study Him in the Word. Um, and, and always, that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to learn who is God, and what would he have me do, and what would he not have me do? Um, and and so uh, the three-by-five method is one way. My wife and I have taken years uh, where we've read the Bible out loud to each other, which is always a, a wonderful uh, exercise, not only to uh, meet the Lord, but to invite him into your family and your home and your, your sacred marriage um, and have him be the, the centerpiece there. So those are some of the things I do. How about you, Carmen? Uh, well, one of my favorite um, places to go for like a Bible reading plan and then um, Bible study tools is scriptureawakening.com. Um, those are the uh, those are the friends not only historically behind um, Bible study fellowship, but historically behind the ninety day um, Bible. Um, you know the way the method of reading through the entire Bible every ninety days. And so I mm -hmm. like those guys. I trust them. Scriptureawakening.com. Um, my my husband Jim um, wrote a book helping people understand how to um, study the Bible by applying principles of interpretation that, you know, yields a methodology of study that you know you've arrived at a valid interpretation and application of the word. So you're not just sort of reading it um, without any tools. Um, and so if folks are interested in that, jimlaberge.com um, maybe is something that they want to check out. Um, those are, I mean, that's the methodology I use. Um, it's the methodology that we use in our conversations um, in my home in terms of um, the interpretation of Scripture. And when, you know, when two people arrive at different interpretations, then we go back to the principles and the methods and we say, okay, um, if it's the Word of God, then He means something. And it doesn't just mean anything. And it can't mean something different to you than it means to me. Like, that's not, it, it's God's Word. So let's figure out, let's do the hard work until we've arrived at what God has said, because I, I don't, I, it doesn't matter what I think, Matthew, and it doesn't really matter what you think. It matters what God has said, what God Absolutely. has revealed. And yeah. so, um, 
reading it and then arriving at that together through some um, reliable tools um, is helpful as well. So there you go. That's uh, that's what I use. And and I think that also where we can get in trouble in reading and interpreting the Bible is is taking one verse out of context. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Bible warns us like God is love. Uh, God is love, but the rest of the Bible tells us how to love. Amen. Um, uh, and and so um, uh, the Second Timothy uh, says that we uh, uh, we should study the Bible uh, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, and rightly dividing the word of the truth. Uh, and to me, that means that you've got to really have a familiarity with the entire. Um, Bible, if you get into a controversial a- area. And if something says it's wrong in the Old Testament, and Jesus says it's wrong, and Paul says it's wrong, and Revelation says it's wrong, it's wrong, or it's right, you know. Um, if if there's a, a, a controversy at all, or a, a, a hard to understand it, as an example, uh, Old Testament says, uh, perhaps if you have a a, a bad teenager, you take them outside and stone them. And by the way, if a bad teenager in uh, a civilization 2,000 years, 3,000 years ago left the gate open, you could lose everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the entire community would die. Um, it says take them out and stone them. Paul said, uh, Jesus says, um, you know, forgive him if he comes to his senses, put a robe and a ring on him. And Paul says, don't have him uh, in the first place, perhaps. Uh, we've got to be able to look across all of Scripture, and and to be able to um, uh, to balance things, and uh, and I think that we also should be uh, aware that others have struggled with Scripture for um, thousands of years, and to to use commentaries sometimes, and the wisdom of some of the sages and the saints that have gone us before us um, can be very very helpful as well. Some of my favorite books by uh, by Matthew Sleeth, if you haven't uh, checked it out already, Reforesting Faith, I just, just still one of my favorite books, What Trees Teach Us About the Nature of God uh, and His Love for Us, and then Hope Always, which we've talked with uh, Matthew about on a couple of prior occasions, um, deals with the topic of suicide, and um, we need to continue to be engaging with one another and being equipped on that topic as well. You can find Matthew and all of these resources at, oh, I better get it, MatthewSleethMD.com. MatthewSleethMD.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We so, who do you know that's struggling with addiction right now? Uh, maybe the who is you. We have asked before, who is your why? So today, let's consider the individuals we know who are battling a life-controlling issue of one variety or another. I'm thinking here about addiction specifically, but it could be anything. Up next, my conversation with George Wood and his book, Uncovery. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Take my heart and breathe. 
I'm thrilled to welcome George Wood uh, to Mornings with Carmen. George lives in my hometown of Tampa, Florida, and he's friends with a bunch of my friends, including one of my dearest friends from high school, Michael Maddox, who's a regular listener here to Mornings with Carmen and connected me with George. So, George, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Wow, it's just uh, great to finally be be here. I've been hearing about you for a long time. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I can hardly me. wait. To, oh, absolutely. I can hardly wait to meet you in person. Um, let's let's just start here. The uncovery. Obviously, we're replacing the words recovery with the word uncovery, understanding the power of community to heal trauma. What's the difference between recovery and uncovery? Just in the simplest form, I think of recovery as often it meant to be a person in addiction or or even struggling with mental health, trying to get back to the person they were before they destroyed their lives. And obviously that person wasn't enough to keep them in the first place. So we have to go deeper than that. I believe, as we see in scripture, that uh, before the foundations of the world, God called us holy, perfect, and blameless, as we see in, in Colossians. And that's the identity that we're trying to uncover, who God called us to be before we were even in this world. There's a destiny for all of us. And if we could uncover that rather than trying to recover who we already were, that's a whole different way of attacking the problem, of of looking at a person's life. And I've seen so much more uh, success when a person realizes they're not trying to earn something. They're trying to receive, accept, and live out something that God has already given them. So this is not just, you know, a story of that you've experienced in the lives of other people. This is your own story. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, my own personal journey uh, began uh, at a very young age where, you know, abuse of all forms uh, entered my life. I was uh, a child of a broken home where uh, my father had left my mother for a younger woman, and I was the youngest of five children by a long way. So I was the the consummate mistake, and he was ready to move on. But when he left my mother, he took my oldest brother with him. And a year later, on a construction accident, my my brother died and it was my father's job site. So all that trauma that they didn't know how to work through was was put towards me. And so from first grade on, after the death of my oldest brother, the divorce of my parents, both my parents went into their own problems with addiction and mental health struggles and I was left fending for myself. And it caused me to seek out uh, acceptance, understanding, identity in all of the wrong places, um, which led to me being you know, sexually abused at a young age, physically, psychologically abused uh, throughout my life. And by the time I was in my, my teens, I had you know, turned to sex myself and um, you know, drugs and alcohol. Um, and then in 10th grade, I attempted suicide for the first time. And that just sort of became the paradigm in which I lived. And, you know, I, I like to say that throughout the 90s, I, I don't even remember them. It was a blur because of um, all of the pain pills that I was on and the the multiple suicide attempts and you know, really completely lost and managed to find a um, a wife that, uh, you know, accepted me and 
Um, and then my mental health took a turn for the worst and uh, she wasn't ready to accept that. So I lost everything. And in my thirties found myself homeless and in and out of psychiatric wards, in and out of detox units um, and literally walking down a road as the, the old story goes and, and cried out to a God that I didn't know, but I believed existed and said, you know, either kill me or do something different because I don't think that, you know, you're in doing this for your own enjoyment. So just either end it or, or do something different. And it was at that moment that I actually received a phone call from a, from a guy that I'd met in a detox a year before. Uh, and, it, and he said, hey, man, are you OK? I, I just had this weird feeling that, you know, God wanted me to call you to check on you that things weren't OK. And that was my, you know, my my moment where like, wow, this is this is real. And that that guy came and picked me up and took me to uh, this old man that I would later call Pops. And, and that guy led me to the Lord and led me to grace and salvation and literally helped save my life. And it wasn't easy. There was countless countless, you know, altar calls and, and relapses and, you know, setbacks and all of that uh, before finally, you know, understanding my true identity in Jesus and, and just this call that he had for my life. And I was able to um, finally put the, you know, drugs and alcohol down back in 2006. Um, and, you know, after, you know, my last suicide attempt in 2005, it's, it's been a wild ride and there's, uh, you know, a ton of things that have been amazing and hard and just incredible, you know, momentous occasions where God has shown me uh, there's a different way to, to walk in this world with other broken people that can actually glorify him in a way that no one's really doing on, on, on the average day. George, um, everybody listening has already said a prayer of of thanksgiving for you and for what God is doing in and through you. They want to connect with you, like I'm hearing from all kinds of people um, on our text line. And so let me say to everybody listening, um, yes, because you're wondering, I do have copies of The Uncovery to give away today. So if you want to text the word book to 877-933-2484, you can enter the drawing for the copies of The Uncovery. George Wood and Britt Eaton are the co-authors of this book. In it, um, you will hear George tell his story and also the incredible stories of others um, and also what uh, really Christ-centered recovery looks like. Not recovery the way you've always thought of it, but the way that the true person that God has um, created you to be can be uncovered through an incredibly redemptive process, much like the one George has just described. So when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with George Wood. The book is The Uncovery. We're also going to talk about the ministries in which George is very actively engaged. You can find him at timothyinitiative.org and sobertruthproject.org. More with George Wood in just a moment. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Pastor George Wood. Um, You can find him at the Timothy Initiative. You can also find him at Sober Truth 
project.org. We're talking about his book, The Uncovery, Understanding the Power of Community to Heal Trauma. Um, George, a couple of words there in the title that are, um, you know, if we just unpack those, it's going to help us uh, get deeper into this conversation because this is a conversation about community and the role of the church. And this is a conversation about trauma and the role of trauma in addiction. So how would you have us enter into a conversation about addiction that is trauma-informed and then um, a recovery process that is community-centered? Sure. Uh, I, I think the, the way that we have looked at addiction in particular um, over the last 50 years has been through the lens of AA. It's been through the lens of, and I'm not knocking AA, I'm, I'm just, I want to be clear on that. I'm just making a, a point of reference that we've looked at it as a sort of this model of 12 step, this model of uh, often it's about uh, choice. It's about the decisions we make. But the reality is no one wants to be a drug addict. No one wants to be an alcoholic. No one wants to be struggling with their mental health. Um, and often when that's the only lens that we look at this through, we're you know, actually projecting a, a level of shame onto an individual because they begin to believe, what's wrong with me? Why do I keep choosing these things? I can tell you that in my own personal experience of working with thousands of people, that um, every hardcore addict has been through some sort of early life trauma, um, whether it's overt, sexual overt, physical violence, or it is just abandonment, whether abandonment um, intentionally or even psychologically. But something has happened to a person early on in their life, usually between the ages of, you know, birth to 10, or actually even in the womb um, to 10 years old. And it has somehow helped that person um, mentally form addictive patterns, form patterns that choose things that they don't quite understand, a way of actually um, internally regulating themselves. But when we understand that there's actually a traumatic thing that's happened, then we can begin to unpack that, unpack what has occurred in a way that can actually help them when it comes time to not choose to do drugs, to not choose to drink. But until we unpack the healing that needs to happen, the, 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 you know, the knowledge of what has happened to a person, we are really just making a person go through this cycle of shame, release, shame, release over and over again. Because if you're a hardcore drug addict or alcoholic, it is very hard to just one day wake up and be able to make the choice to not use. we And even if you do, I would even say, even if a person did, they're still not living that full life that Christ died on the cross to give them because all they've learned to do is somehow avoid the healing that Christ wants to give all of us. He wants us all to be whole individuals. But you can't be whole alone. You can't heal alone. It takes an actual community of people around someone that can actually reflect the healing back to them. So uh, you can't heal in a vacuum. There has to be a, a mirror of someone looking at you saying, I see the change. I see the difference. Uh, you have to have someone that is willing to be in your Garden of Gethsemane moment because we all have them and we all have to 
to look at the fact that Jesus called his disciples to come into the garden and pray with him in his moment of need. Now, has anyone ever thought about, did he ask them there? Because if they prayed a nice enough prayer, he wouldn't have to go to the cross. No, we know that's not the case. It had to happen. So why did Jesus want those disciples to stay awake and pray with him? Because even Christ, in his moment of pain, in his moment of trauma, did not want to be alone. He wanted someone to look him in the eye and say, I see you. I can't change what's happening or what's about to happen to you, but I will not forsake you. I will be by your side. That's what he wanted. And he was trying to model for all of us that we are supposed to be with people, even when we can't change what's happened and can't change what's happening, but they're not alone anymore. Because I can promise you that the greatest feeling of pain I have ever felt in my entire recovery has been when I feel abandoned, when I feel left alone and by myself, when I feel like no one cares, no one loves me, and I have to figure this out on my own. That's when you start to think, why even try? Why? What, what, what's, what's the point in all of this? You have to have that community of people that can look at you and say, we see you, something's happened to you, and we want to be by your side as we heal you from this so that you may live the life that Christ has died to give you. When you talk about the life that Christ has died to give us, you're talking about what you refer to as promised land life. For those listening right now who are are suffering, who are feeling abandoned and forsaken, who are feeling in slavery to addiction, who do know or maybe don't know what the trauma was um, in their early life that now holds them, you know, holds them as a slave in a way that they do not understand, but that they feel captive to every single day, um, cast the vision, tell them um, the good news of the promised land life. Yeah, you know what is so amazing is if you think about the promised land in the scriptures that we see, we see that they enter into the promised land and they still have to fight battles in Jericho. They still have to fight battles all throughout, right? So I'm not talking about a promised land life that is easy. I'm not talking some prosperity gospel where you get there and it's all, don't worry, everything is happy from here on out. I'm talking about the promised land life being filled with battles. For example, in my own personal promised land life, I had been sober for three years. I was a pastor. I was a counselor. And in 2009, 2010, my brother and sister both died from drug overdoses seven months apart. And that's the promised land life. What? I don't get it, God. But what God showed me was that I was not alone to walk through that. I was not alone to walk through that with my parents as I helped them grieve two children that had just died from overdoses. Yes, I was a pastor and a counselor, and I couldn't even help my own family. How is that promised land? It's promised land because God gives us what we need to walk through the most challenging possible times we could ever imagine. We are able to be victorious, even though everything says we should not be. And we don't do it alone. There's those that walk with us. There's those that walk by our side. And sometimes we're called to walk by theirs. It's the life experience exemplified as we do it together. And this promised land life that so many people that are struggling, and I'm just, and I'm speaking right now, if you're listening and you're struggling and you're like, what is this guy talking about? 
I can't promise you that you will ever be completely free from whatever it is that is, is, is after you, whatever it is that's holding you back. But I can promise you this, when you enter into a true authentic relationship with the one who created you, and he puts you in a place where you have a community of people around you, you begin to see these giants differently than you're seeing them today. You begin to realize that, yes, they're still there but they're not this foe that you now fear. There's something that you can defeat and you can live a life of defeating them. It's just a way of living that is completely different than you're so used to. We're, we're, we're taught somehow, whether it's through messages that we don't fully understand or whatever, that everything's black and white, that you, you should just defeat something one day and it's gone forever the next. It's not like that in life. And I think we all see that. We see it through the pandemic. We see it through everything that's happened with COVID. But we can still be victorious when we recognize that there is hope. There's hope in, in Christ, but there's there's hope in this life that is filled with, with battles we'll fight, but battles we will win because it's already been done for us. Hmm. So good. George, I um I so appreciate you being with us. Um, there are folks who uh, who remember you from the times that you have been on Real Recovery with my colleague, Bill Arnold. Um, if you guys want to hear more from George, there, um, there are episodes of Bill Arnold's weekend program, Real Recovery. You can find those at MyFaithRadio.com. Uh, um, you can also connect directly with George at TimothyInitiative.org or SoberTruthProject.org. And again, we're giving away copies today of The Uncovery, Understanding the Power of Community to Heal Trauma. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. George, what a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, it's been great to finally meet you. And I hope to Likewise. meet you in person next time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in Tampa in January. That's my plan. How's that sound? Oh, awesome. That's All soon. Right. Yeah. Great. All right. All right. Um, that's George Wood. Again, um, I know lots of you texting in want to connect with him. Um, let me let me recommend timothyinitiative.org, sobertruthproject.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Well, as we draw this conversation today to a close, and as um, this year is quickly waning, I'm wondering if we could all consider the conversations that God wants us to have before the end of the year. Who are those people um, who you know God wants you to talk with before the close of this calendar year in order that you can start next year afresh um, with a renewed or maybe even reconciled relationship with them. And you may say to yourself, that's impossible. That's impossible. There's so much brokenness. There's so much distance. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. There's so much history. Do you trust God? Could you trust God that if he brings that person to mind, that if he encourages you to reach out, that he is going to be present and faithfully provide the words? Whoever God brings to mind right now, I want you to seriously consider reaching out to them before the end of the year. We'll then talk more about this tomorrow. For today, have a great day and God bless.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.